Welcome to Weekdays with Jesus. Are there days where it seems like nothing goes right? Well, our song at the end of today's podcast is called Can't Get It Right, and it's written and sung by my sister, Kim. This song shows how even God's Bible heroes had trouble with sin and how God is there to forgive us through Jesus. Our message today is based on the book of Esther from Pastor Rob Morosco. For the last 10 months, we have been exploring the Scriptures. And the Bible is broken down into a, a number of different type of genres as far as literature is concerned. It's not just a history book. It, it's not just literature. It, it covers the whole scope of uh, what we would consider literary style. In the first five books, what is called the Pentateuch, it's kind of a, a distinct section, and it lays the foundation for who God is and how God works in relationship with His people. And then we have all of these historical books, and that's Joshua all the way up to Ezra and Nehemiah, which we just finished reading this last week. And now we're getting ready to head into these poetic books, the writings, things like Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, where we're going to uh, encounter like the depth of human emotion. But before we get into that, we have this little interlude with a masterfully told story of the life of Esther. If you look at this account, it covers a small slice of time in that historical period of Ezra and Nehemiah, but it actually reflects something much, much bigger that is going on. In the, in the world of plays or drama, in the Shakespearean world, the story of Esther would be considered a comedy. It really would because of the, the features that are involved in the book, and I, I think you'll understand that in a little better way here in just a moment. But in order to tell the story of Esther, we need to know who the main characters are. So, uh, the first person that we meet is Ahasuerus. He is the king. Uh, you might have also read Xerxes. Uh, Xerxes is his Greek name. Ahasuerus is the, the name that he is known uh, with the Persians and with the Hebrews. Um, so depending on which translation uh, you have, but we know that this is the same guy, Ahasuerus and Xerxes, uh, from all the historical records that are out there outside of the Bible as well as those that are within the Bible. So uh, yeah, and, and guys are walking down the aisle right now with Bibles if you want, and we're going to cover the entire book of Esther here in the next few minutes. So uh, stay with me, and if you want it to be able to follow along, that might be helpful for you. So Ahasuerus is the king. Now let's uh, just understand a little bit more what this king is like. Um, he is the total package as far as kings go. Ahasuerus, and, and this is my thinking anyway because of the way that, that things unfold, Ahasuerus must have been one hunky guy. He had to have been, right? Because he was surrounded with beautiful women and they actually seemed to want to be around him. So either Ahasuerus was really a good-looking guy on his own, or he really wasn't, and he just used his power and influence to bring these women in. Okay, so those are your two options that are out there. 
good-looking or not, Ahasuerus rules over the Persian Empire, which is one of the largest empires that has ever existed in the history of the world. It extends all the way into the Far East to India, and then using today's geography, it goes up into Asia, into Russia, around into the Middle East, and then far down into Africa as far as Ethiopia. It is a huge empire. So Ahasuerus is very powerful. He has an incredible amount of influence. He's got to have some intelligence because he's ruling over that large of an empire. He also is extremely wealthy. And he seems to be a little flaky. Again, we'll get back to that. So that's our our first person that we encounter. The next person is Esther. Esther is the heroine of the story. Esther is a young Jewish woman her parents were exiles from Judah, and they have died. So it's, it's really a sad story for Esther. Um, she's kind of a refugee, if you will, in this land. And Esther is raised by a relative. We'll get to him in just a minute. The next person that's up there is Hegai. Hegai might seem like kind of an insignificant character, but Hegai is the one who is in charge of King Ahasuerus' harem. And And the harem gets to be quite large, actually, uh, because of some events that unfold in the story, which, again, we'll get back to in just a little bit. Hegai uh, plays a really significant role in the life of Esther, which then plays a significant role. Well, okay, we'll get there. The next guy that's on the list is Mordecai. Mordecai is Esther's relative. Mordecai, after Esther's parents die, takes Esther under his household, under his care. So he's like a a foster parent, if you will. Um, He's a relative, a guardian. That's what he's doing. Uh, And Mordecai is a great relative for and a great support for Esther. He also plays some pretty significant roles politically both behind the scenes and in front of the scenes. And then the last person that we're going to meet is Haman. Now, um, in in good theater style, uh, Haman is the bad guy. He's the enemy. And so when you hear the name Haman, you should go, yeah, there you go, boo, hiss. All right, so when Haman shows up in the story, uh, feel free to boo and hiss because he really is a bad guy. Okay, so those are the main characters. There's a lot of other people that come in and out, but I think it's time for us finally to tell our story. King Ahasuerus is ruling over his empire, and he is celebrating his rule. He has had military victories. He's expanded his territory, and so he decides it's time to have a really big party. And by the way, a, a really big party, this thing goes on for a week. They pull out all the stops, and they are celebrating with individually crafted goblets for every one of these officials. So, I mean, huge expense, nothing spared. They're having a blast. After a few days of partying like this, Ahasuerus and his friends are maybe not thinking really clearly. And so Ahasuerus' friends, they say, hey, king, you are one stud of a man. Here's what you should do. You should call on your hot queen, and you should have her come out here and parade in front of all of us so that we can all recognize what a great guy you are and just what kind of influence you have. Ahasuerus is like, okay, that sounds like a pretty good idea. Remember, he's a little flaky. And so he calls Queen Vashti and he says, Vashti, you get out here. I want everybody to see how pretty you are. Vashti says, I don't think so. And she sends a message back to the king. Forget it. Ahasuerus, because he's such a great guy, right? He flies off the handle. You can't treat me like that. And so he's angry at Queen Vashti. He says, fine, then if that's the way you're going to be, you can't be queen anymore. And he kicks her out. Great guy. 
everything seems to be going along pretty well until Ahasuerus realizes, I kind of like having a queen. I, I don't like being alone. So all of these great friends that were drunk with Ahasuerus before, they decide, you know what, here's what you need to do. Ahasuerus, have a Miss Persia contest. Sweet. Get all the beautiful women from all around your empire, and you pick the one that you want for your wife. Ahasuerus is like, that's a great idea. So they send out the message, and all of these beautiful women from around the Persian empire are brought in for the Miss Persia contest. Now, this is quite a contest, and I, I'll admit, I didn't do any research to find out what happens in beauty contests today. But their preparation for going before the king took an entire year. Six months of oils and lotions and all of this training, and then another six months of refining. So all of these beautiful women are brought into the harem where he guy is watching over them. One of the people that comes into this harem is a young Jewish woman named Esther. And he guy he takes note of Esther right away. And he starts to coach her and help her. And over the course of those 12 months, Esther's being groomed in an amazing way. So that when her turn comes to go before the king, and the way that it worked was the king would have these ladies come in at night, and then they were supposed to, you know, have conversation. Um, and and so the king would then pick which one he wanted. Well, when Esther comes in, nobody else matters. The king has never met anyone like her, and he knows instantly. And he stops the whole contest. Esther, you're my queen. And because the king likes to throw parties, he decides to throw a party for Esther. It's Esther's party. <laughs> right, it's the king's party. And he celebrates that he has a new queen. Now, everything is going along really great, and Mordecai shows up. Now, Mordecai is a good servant in the kingdom. He is hanging out by the king's uh, guards in, in the front of, of the king's gate. And while he's hanging out there, he hears a couple of the king's eunuchs as they plot to kill the king. Mordecai says, hold on, I've got an end now with the king. Hey, Esther, will you tell the king about this? Esther tells the king, they investigate, find out that it's true. Yep, those two guys are thrown into prison. Good enough. Time continues to go along, and then Haman enters. Well, that was lame. And then Haman enters. There you go. Haman is a real great guy. <laughs> Haman loves himself. He absolutely loves himself. Haman loves himself. And he works politically to do everything he can to get into the king's graces. And finally, he gets the king to pass a decree that Haman is the greatest of all of the rulers, and everybody has to bow when they see Haman walking by. Haman loves this. He walks down the streets. People are all falling all over the place, except for Mordecai. Everybody's falling all over to bow down to Haman, except for Mordecai. And every day, as, Mordecai, as Haman walks the streets, he's like, yeah, look at all these people bowing down to me. This is so great. Ooh, that Mordecai. And day after day, it makes him more and more angry. And finally, he says to a bunch of his guys, why doesn't Mordecai bow down to me? Well, they go and they investigate and they find out Mordecai is a Jew. Did I tell you guys that Mordecai was a Jew? Mordecai is a Jew. Why do you suppose 
that Mordecai doesn't bow down to Haman because you only bow down to one king, and that is God. And Mordecai refuses to bow to Haman because he will only worship God. Wow. When Haman finds out that Mordecai is a Jew, he doesn't just want to get rid of Mordecai. He wants to get rid of all of the Jews. So Haman comes up with this plan, and he goes to the king, and he says, King, there are these people in your nation that are causing all kinds of trouble. you got to get rid of them. King Ahasuerus is like, what are you talking about, Haman? I don't know anything about this. King, it's the Jews. And I tell you what, I'll help you get rid of them. I'll give you a whole lot of money. Now, this is not a general gift to a um, lobbyist. This is flat-out bribery. Haman offers to give a whole lot of money to King Ahasuerus and says, hey, king, I'll give you all this money, and I'll even write up a law for you that says you can kill all of the Jews that are living in your territory across the whole empire. We'll set a date for it. How does that sound, king? King Ahasuerus, remember, he's a little flaky. He says, "Ah, sounds good to me. So they write the law out, and in the 12th month, on a specific day, all the Jews in the Persian Empire will be killed. The law goes out. Now, look, they didn't have the kind of instant communication that we have today, so it took a little while. But Mordecai reads the law. And he's devastated. And he puts on sackcloth and ashes and he goes out in a public place right in front of the king's gate again. And the news reaches Esther. She wants to know, Mordecai, what's going on? Why are you so upset? Why are you acting like this? So Mordecai, he sends a message back to Esther. Esther, maybe you didn't get the bulletin, but Haman is going to kill all of us, including you. You may think that because you're the queen, you'll escape this, but you're wrong. And then, and then Mordecai has this great line. If you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place, but you and your father's household will perish. And who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. And Esther, she's cut to the heart. And this wonderful heroine, she says to Mordecai and to all the people, pray for me, fast for me, help me know what I'm supposed to do. And after a few days of that, she sends the message back to Mordecai. All right, I'm going to do it. And if I die, I die. And so she calls the king and she says, King. King, he loves Esther, right? He says, yeah, what do you want, Esther? She says, I want you to come to a party. She knows the king. He's going to come to a party. He loves to party. King, I want you to come to a party. And by the way, could you bring Haman? He's like your right-hand man. I would love to have Haman come to the party with you. King and the Haman, they are so excited. They're like, yeah, of course we'll come to your party. So they come to the party. King says, Esther, what do you want? She says, I will tell you tomorrow after you come to another party. Come on back again. We'll party some more. Of course, the king and Haman are like, absolutely. Haman goes home and he tells his family, 
I am so excited because I got to go into this party with the queen and with the king. Nobody else got to. I'm the best. Yeah. But I'm still mad at that Mordecai guy. What should I do about that Mordecai guy? And the family said, here's what you do. You build a gallows. Build a gallows. And tomorrow you go and you kill Mordecai. You hang him out there. Haman, you got all the authority in the world. You got the power. You, you the man. You, you go do it. Okay, so Haman, he, he goes to bed that night. And he's all excited about his plan. They've got the gallows built. The king goes to bed that night. And you would think that after all the partying, he would be sleeping really well, right? But he can't sleep. And so during the course of the night, he wakes up and he says to a couple of his assistants, he says, hey, will you guys read to me? I mean, how many of you, when you can't sleep very well at night, you start to read because it helps you to fall asleep, right? So it's not a bad idea. King Ahasuerus, he was a great guy, um, he says, and will you read to me about me? <laughs> that would be really nice, yeah. And, and so they start to read to him, and they happen to read to him about the time that Mordecai spared his life. And the king says, I remember that. Did we ever do anything for Mordecai? Nope, didn't do anything. So right away he gets up in the morning. He says, all right, all right, we got to figure out something really good to do for, for Mordecai. Haman, hey, Haman, come here. What would you do if you wanted to be honored by the king? And Haman, he's like, oh, sweet, here it is. Here's my chance. And he lays out this whole plan. And then the king says, Haman, that sounds like a really good plan. You go do that for Mordecai. What? Can you imagine this? All Haman wanted to do was kill Mordecai. And now he has to put a fancy robe on him. And now he has to lead him around the city. And now he has to sing his praises in front of all the people. How humiliating. And Haman goes home that day and he is so mad. Hey, but he's still got the party to go to. So he goes to the party with the king and with Esther. And he's, all right, I'm kind of mad, but hey, I get to go to a party. And, and so then uh, Esther says, all right, so king, here's what you need to know. There's a plan that's put in place that's going to kill a bunch of people. The king's starting to wonder, what is that plan? I seem to remember something about this. And king, the people that that's going to kill, well, it, it includes me. But there are these Jewish people who are living in your empire, and they haven't caused you harm. But now this law has been written that on this day in the 12th month, they're all going to be wiped out. And the king's like, well, who made that stupid law? And Esther says, <coughs> Haman. <coughs> oh, and there's Haman sitting right there. And the king can't believe this. And he says, Haman, is this true? And Haman's like, I, I guess. And the king says, well, we can't let that go on. Haman, you need to die. How are we going to kill Haman? Oh, look, there's a gallows right there. This is the comedy part. That's hilarious. Who devises stuff like this? The gallows that Haman wanted to kill Mordecai on is now the gallows that Haman is going to be killed on. That's hysterical. So Haman's life ends. But we still have the situation with the Jews whose life is in danger. And so Esther says, hey, king, Look, I know that we can't change your law, but can we add another law to it? King obviously needs a little bit of help governing. He says, 
I guess, do what you want to. And so Mordecai works to write another law that says, look, we can't change the law. The Jews are still in danger, but let's write a law giving them permission to defend themselves. And so the law goes out that on the very day the Jews are supposed to be struck down, they can now defend themselves. And when that day comes, the Jewish people are not wiped out, but they are spared, delivered in a miraculous way. Who knows that you have not come into the kingdom for such a time as this? And at the end of that year, after the Jews have been spared, they create a new holiday, Purim, in which in the twelfth month, they will light lights and give gifts and celebrate that God had worked in a miraculous way to deliver His people. That is an awesome story. And the short little book of Esther and the amazing story that was just told is a picture of a much grander story that has been weaving its way through from the very beginning of Genesis. Of a people who are doomed for destruction. People who are condemned because of their action, because of their sin. And a hero who is raised up for such a time as this. Mordecai had said to Esther, if you don't stand up at this time, deliverance for your people will come from another way. But in this bigger story, this deeper story, our story, there's only one way. And Jesus, like Esther, steps up at the right time in the right place and says, if I die, I die. And in order to save his people, Jesus offers himself not on a gallows but on a cross. And he hangs there to die. And he's laid into a tomb. That, by the way, in the scope of Shakespearean plays, would be considered a tragedy. But it's not a tragedy. The way it's defined, this greater story is a comedy. Because Jesus doesn't stay in the grave. Three days later, he's out and he's like, you didn't beat me. 
This is hysterical. And he rises in victory so that every single person would know that they have been saved, delivered, rescued by his action. And now this incredible thing happens. Every year, in the twelfth month, these people gather together and they light lights and they exchange gifts in order to celebrate God's incredible act of deliverance. Does that sound familiar to you at all? It's a beautiful story. It's an amazing thing that God has unfolded. And it's your story. You and I, we're those people. And because of Jesus, he's delivered us and we get to celebrate. And just like Esther, this God who has been weaving his salvation story throughout history is still raising up people today to do incredible works of deliverance. Some questions for you to consider. Where's God placed you right now? Esther was the queen. She may or may not have recognized at the beginning that God had put her into that role, but God put her into that role. Where are you right now? You may or may not be thinking that God has put you into the role that you're in right now, the place that you are. Oh, but He has. He's at work. What gifts has God given you? We hear about Esther being beautiful, but she was so much more than that. She was smart, wise, courageous, humble. What gifts has God given you? You might in... in genuine or in false humility or in, in fear, say, God hasn't given me anything, or I don't know what gifts I have. Look, you cut right through that lie of Satan and recognize that God has poured out His Holy Spirit into you and has given you gifts, and He has given you those gifts for a reason. What gifts has God given you? And then that last question, who has God put into your life to help you? God put Mordecai and Hegai into Esther's life to encourage her, to help her, to coach her along, to walk her through the challenges that she faced so that she would be ready when that came. Who has God put into your life? What friends has God put into your life? What family members? What co-workers? Who has God put into your life? And then the most important question, what are you going to do? Teachers, public and private, coming through the last few years, looking what has happened in the scope of education in our country, teachers, 
You are in a particular time and place when you get to play a more significant role than you maybe have ever played before. To speak truth to children. To let them know who they are as God's precious creation. Not questioning one way or another, but knowing for certain that they are made by a God who loves them and cherishes them. And as much as you may be threatened in speaking that truth, you are called for such a time as this. Students in your school, now is your time. There are so many challenges to the Christian faith, but God is calling you to be bold and to demonstrate an incredible love for the classmates around you and respect for your teachers. Now is your time. In the political realm, look, I don't care what party you're voting for. As a Christian, you are called to stand for the one true God and for the values that he has given us in this country, in this world, in this life. So boldly stand for him. Declare who he is, Jesus, your king. For such a time as this. Where has God placed you? What gifts has God given you? Who has he put into your life? And what will you do? It's a great story. And this is the end. Oh, Lord God, thanks for raising up Esther. To see how you were working and all these little details. And to see what you accomplished. God, it's amazing. Oh, Holy Spirit, you are still at work today. Maybe we see it, maybe we don't. Help us, God. Help us today, now, to stand, to live, to sacrifice, to speak for you, where you have called us, with what you have given us, with the people that you've put into our lives. Pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. People say that I've got it all together. Sit back, but don't relax until you know the facts, Jack. I ain't got it all together, but I do rely on the one who does. He holds me together I'm like Adam who stood there saying I'm like Eve who tried to shift the blame I'm like Abram who called his wife a sister I'm like Isaac 
but don't relax till you know the facts, Jack. I ain't got it all together, but I do rely on the one who does. He holds me together. Bye. 